Hello, I'm Jamie. And I'm Heather, and you're listening to Soul Archaeology, where we dig for the truth in the layers of our lived experience. Uh, this is our first show back in a while. Jamie has been struggling, been on the very bad struggle bus uh, struggle, with health issues, really bad. And uh, so we're not sure where this is going to take us. Let's just jump in and find out. Yeah, I have no idea because I have been, life has uh, sidelined me and I feel like it's for a reason. I feel like there's purpose behind it. So I, I'm trying not to get too lost in the isolation of it all. But um, yeah, I was really, really sick. And I know I wasn't the only one. We kept seeing other people getting sick, but because of the surgery and because my body is still healing from that and all of the interesting quirks that, that it has, the illnesses that I had really did um, kind of put me in a very funky place. And then on top of all of that, when I was getting to the point where I was really thinking, oh, I really need to go in and see somebody, um, I had a huge insurance flip-flop. Uh, where my insurance changed and I didn't know it. So I had to start my journey of all of the, um, like lining up specialists and all of that all over again. And I'm still in the process of that very new in the process of that. So and for those of you who might be finding us for the first time, Jamie had a uh, gastric sleeve surgery. Yes. When? when did you have it? In September. Yeah. And all was going really well until all was not going well. <laughs> well, yeah. And it started kind of like in the end of October. Um, I had some, and I have a little bit of clarity in my own mind. I haven't had doctors back this up, but I, I'm, I think I'm starting to figure out what's happening. Um, and that came to me just through the most recent illnesses. And that is that. So obviously going through something like bariatric surgery, um, during the gastric sleeve, uh, surgery, basically what's happening is, is they took about 80, 85% of my stomach away. Um, so I have a little pouch, uh, a little bit bigger than a size of string cheese. And it takes quite a while for your body to recover from that. Uh, they usually tell you about 18 months is how long it takes your stomach to really like recover and heal from that. Uh, but when you start on that journey and you're, you're going to outside sources to kind of see, well, how, how is, how are other people handling this? Like, how is it going out there in the world? Like what, what does this mean going forward? Like, what should I expect? Um, even though I try not to hold expectations, you still want to try to educate yourself. And although I will say that they did a fairly good job educating us during the process, as far as like dietitians and psychiatrists and, you know, multiple appointments with multiple specialists to get approved for the procedure, it takes you to a certain point And then you kind of feel like, you got dropped off at the bus station and you have no idea where you're going. And from watching other videos, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, after two weeks I went back to work and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, after my two weeks, I'm like, uh, 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 uh. like that. <laughs> my body is not ready for any of that yet. And to be honest, my body still isn't ready for any of that yet about, 
want to say towards more towards the end of October, I started experiencing a whole lot of dizziness, like full on on a tilt a whirl. Like I felt like I was at an amusement park ride and pretty much all the time. And that is remained consistent. And the specialists that I have seen thus far have not been able to give me any answers. I Which is able... really funny. I meant to tell you this because a friend okay. of mine was visiting from Minnesota over the holidays and I went out to see her and we were walking the streets of San Pedro, like two wild things. And I was telling her that you were not well, that you were experiencing severe vertigo and, and that none of the doctors and she, and before I could even finish what I was saying, she's like, oh, cause she had that surgery. And I was like, I mean, it seems to be that way, but no one's quite sure what's going on. She's like, well, I've heard tons of people talk about it because <laughs> apparently she had looked into it for herself. She's like, it's dehydration. <laughs> I was like, well, okay. Yes, yes and no, because that that's the thing. It, yes, to a degree, but it is more than just like, it's easy to say it's dehydration, get more hydrated. But it's not just dehydration. It's not just electrolytes. It's my body is having basically jump ahead. The conclusion that I've come to is that my body is having a difficult time with absorption right now. Um, more than what I was anticipating. Um, I'm not going to say expecting, but more than I was anticipating based on, you know, previous runs with other issues and complications medically. Uh, and I haven't quite been able to nail down exactly what all it is that my body is having a hard time with. And I feel like it is just part of the healing process. But I also feel like I was confused because even though I was obviously taking a long time in that first portion like right after the surgery as far as like if I compared myself to others which you shouldn't do but I was doing anyway <laughs> um I was realizing that my process was really slow my process of healing was very slow I know that that was a possibility I know that that's like you know it's a thing that happens with some people and in general I am a slow healer I, I, my body does not jump right back. It's been through a lot already and it doesn't jump right back. So, okay, that's fine. I can come to grips with that. But I think what threw me the most coming into now is realizing that your body goes through a period of time where it's, it's been working off of, you know, you have the surgery and immediately 85% of your stomach goes away. So that's immediate. That's an immediate shift. However, there's still, you know, nutrients, things that have been built up in your body that your body is, you know, that are in reserves that your body is going, okay, well, I'm not getting this. So I'm going to, I'm going to dive into the reserves, which makes sense to me now, because one of the ways that you lose so much weight early on is that your body is in really deep ketosis. So it's going through your fat storage. That's why you get a lot of the hangy skin because all of a sudden, like all those little pockets in your body where all that fat has been like, okay, we don't know what to do with this stuff here. It's going to go into fat storage. All of those nutrients, your body is now going 
Jesus, there's nothing in this pantry. Where can I get <laughs> something from? And it's it's pulling from that fat storage, which is ultimately what is supposed to happen. But I didn't like I didn't quite connect it for myself that way at first. So come late October when the dizziness really started hitting and I'm like, how did I go this long without having like, yes, slow process healing, still not doing my May best, but like nothing, like I was having issues that I thought were connected to my thyroid medication and that needing to be leveled out and things like that. But I hadn't had anything like the vertigo um, in quite a while. And it was consistent and it didn't seem to matter what I did. And then I started realizing I was having a lot of issues with my um, blood pressure, like uh, my blood pressure dropping when I stand, which was, of course, compounding some of those dizziness issues. And we logged this in the urgent care and I passed along this information to other doctors. And so far, again, what we've checked hasn't materialized anything, but I don't think it's going to and do until we start doing some really deep dive metabolic testing, which I don't know what doctor is going to do that or how long I'm going to have to like poke at people to actually get them to do that because the like the test that I did back in October as far as like vitamins and things like that they turned out fine it was all you know quote unquote within the normal scale but it's like normal for who <laughs> that's always the question when you have tests like that done um, and I learned that going through early stages of hypothyroidism and getting um, thyroid levels checked, because one of the first things that most doctors will tell you is if you're anywhere near the normal range, they'll be like, you're fine. And it's like, well, I'm telling you that I'm not fine. So keep digging because not okay. Uh, and that's one of the first things it's like, you know, normal levels are generally based on a control group that's fairly small of healthy people. And it's like, well, I'm outside of that range and I'm not necessarily what I would consider a, a healthy person. I've had a lot of issues. So it's hard when you are going through something like this and you're being put up against this control group and this control group doesn't represent you or your body or anything that you've been through and you're trying to navigate that. So, um, so yeah, I was really, really sick for over three weeks and it was like stacked up on stacked. I got a really bad cold that like, really put the dizziness into full swing. Um, and I was trying to manage that on my own. And then after that, I got food poisoning. And then about a couple of days after the food poisoning, I got what I'm I'm going to guess was like norovirus. And that almost sent me to the hospital a couple of times. That, that was scary. Um, and it was a good thing that I was able to 
finally figure out how to manage it on my own because my insurance apparently had done a flip-flop and I wouldn't have been able to go anyway. So, uh, so yeah, so that's been my several weeks. And, and basically during that time, I didn't do social media. I didn't do, I really didn't do anything. I couldn't, I barely had the energy to lift my eyelids and crawl out of bed occasion to go to the bathroom. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) So I didn't even hear from her. No. For weeks. I mean, we were all in the dark. No, because I was like, I, my mental faculties were such that like, I didn't know what day of the week it was. I didn't know how much time had passed. I was in a complete, like, black hole of time and space and anything. I felt like, I, I really, I wasn't even sure how much time had passed myself. So I had no idea. It would feel like I had just talked to somebody and then come to find out I hadn't. <laughs> and so it like, it was news to me as well, because I had no, I just, I wasn't conscious. Period. The end. I need to, to simplify it. Mm-hmm. So now that you're, now that you had a little bit of time away from being catastrophically ill, do you have guesses as to maybe what the whole message or what even pieces of the message? Because I'm sure you haven't had enough time to even comprehend. There's no retrospect at this point except for crumbs. Yeah. I'm guessing. So. So some of the things that kind of um, started coming through while I was down for the count was a realization that even without meaning to, um, I do a lot of, I do a lot of unconscious compartmentalizing of my life. And I think that's, it's just programming it's it's a society thing it's a cultural thing it's a and it's been that way my whole life you know i i've lived in the 3d world and have participated in life that way but i also had sides to me that did not conform to that and that at least in my immediate circles, you know, people didn't align with a lot of the things that were in hap- that were happening to me internally, my, my spiritual gifts and such. I always felt like I'm a Gemini, but I, I really do feel like I, I've always led that kind of dualistic life where it's like, okay, well, you have this side of you and then you have this side of you. You have the side of you that goes out in the world and and has to participate in, in, in life, regular life things on a daily basis. And you have this portion of you that kind of stays more, um, stays more quiet and is more insular and experiences, you know, truly like, magic and elements and 
and the earth on a completely different level and the planet on a different level and people on a different level. And I've always been in a space where I haven't been able to quite figure out how do those two things come together? And every time I really try to put a lot of focus on it, okay, I'm not going to separate these things anymore. I'm just going to let it all hang out and <laughs> let those things coalesce. I have a really hard time with that. And the message that I started getting was you're trying too hard because you're putting too much focus on the fact that there's separate things. It's like, just, it's, it's almost like you have to simultaneously decide that there is no separation, but fully step into the separation at the same time. And that sounds weird. And every time I try to explain it, it feels like it doesn't come out right. So I'm sure that it's part of the process that I'm going through right now and that I will just need to sit in this space for a while in order to figure that out. But it's the, you know, the, the whole question of duality and, and separation and how do we unify? And I, I feel like more and more the message that I'm getting is yes, we know that there's duality. Duality is never going to go away. It's always going to be there. Stop trying to get rid of it, accept it, but accept it to the point where you're not calling it out anymore, where you're not giving the idea of like the idea that separation or the duality holds in my brain just from my life experience thus far, um, you know, almost 48 years of programming and training in this particular lifetime. It's like, the more I do to just stop putting energy into the idea that's been forged so far of what that means, um, I feel like the easier it's going to get to blur those lines. Well, and I think you're, you're really onto something there and I've been getting a lot of the same messages and I've been actually posting about them on our Instagram, oddly enough. If you you. had tapped into our Instagram, you would have been getting those messages in another way. You would have had that validation (laughs) because, um, literally just this week I've been posting about that, you know, it's, it, again, it comes back to what we spoke of in, gosh, I think it was the last show, if not, then mm-hmm. the show before that, where we were talking about yes and, and we were having this conversation when you were over um, the other day. It is about understanding that your point of view exists amidst a spectrum, an array of points of view from points of view that are adjacent to yours <clears throat> to points of view that are completely opposite of yours. All of those exist in a realm of polarity, all of them. And so instead of being compartmentalized into this is me and that is them, or this is right and this is wrong, or this is good and this is bad, you have to start recognizing that it is a spectrum Mm -hmm. and that bridges those gaps. So when you shake hands with the idea that the most wrong thing you can think of is also in existence at the same time and that it's not wrong. It's just different and not what you prefer. 
when you start to when you start to realize that your judgments about your experience are what is creating your morality and you start to make room i'm not saying condone things that you feel strongly about i'm saying understand that whether or not you condone them they still exist and have a right to exist and have a purpose in their existence when you start to shake hands with that perspective, it naturally bridges that gap between where you're at, which is what you consider acceptable, and where everything else is at that's not acceptable. It becomes shades of gray instead of black and white. And that's what we're being catalyzed to do, especially this year, because there's going to be some stuff coming out. And <clears throat> I don't I don't really consider this a psychic prediction. I just following my own instincts and then following the instincts of many people that I've been following online, on TikTok, on YouTube, on Instagram, um, hearing what they are feeling in their instincts, it's matching my instincts. We're all feeling something is coming. Sure. You don't have to be a fucking psychic predictionist to, to say that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so when those things start to come, you are going to need the skill of bridging those compartments, yeah. breaking down the barriers that are created by those compartments, those walls, and bridging all of that. Otherwise, what we are in danger of is a break in our mental capacity to process I see I see your cat in the background and because he's black he's just a silhouette against a white box. <laughs> he looks like marketing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I think that that's where all of this is headed. And however yeah. it however they need to get the message or however our higher self needs to get the message through to our conscious self, however our subconscious and conscious need to communicate in order to start bridging those gaps. And we've already been doing that work. I mean, that's what sure. this whole awakening process is about to begin with. It's all yeah. about bridging those gaps. But now there is definitely an amplification and a feeling of amplification and an urgency well, to and, it. And, and maybe I should give some example because, you know, so again, this this whole conversation it's it's not something new it's it's something that's been coming up repeatedly for me over and over and over again throughout life um but most recently like one of the things that i've been noticing is um especially when you are stepping into a spiritual world um and wanting to be you know, let's face it, we're, we're talking about a lot of stuff that, that for most people is just going to be broadline unsubstantiated. It's like, well, how do you prove that? Where's the science behind it? How do you, you know, how do I make this concrete? Where are the steps to follow to get from A to B? All of those things, you know, you're, and you're trying to figure out a way to navigate that. And I think for a lot of people, the first thing that they fall into is, well, if I'm going to be this spiritual person and I'm going to be on this path, I'm going to focus all my energy here and I'm, I'm only going to put my, myself out there in, in this particular way, because I want people to see me as maybe not even an authority, but I want people to trust me. 
I want people to trust my, my instincts. I want people to trust my intuition. I want to be taken seriously. I want to be validated. I want to, you know, there's all of these things, whether you are consciously aware of it or not, you start putting yourself out there in a particular way because, um, you know, like to, to use a word from, from my youth, you don't want to be viewed as a dabbler. You know what I mean? And so when I say as a dabbler, you don't want to be just one of those people that like, oh, it's trendy this week to be into the phases of the moon and have cute moon jewelry <laughs> and have candles and do manifestation rituals and, you know, do a thing for the full moon. You don't want to be seen as taking those things lightly or as it's just something to do this week that everybody's kind of jumping on the bandwagon for you don't want to be Which, perceived that for, way and for the record i don't see anything wrong with that i don't necessarily see anything wrong with that either i just i had such a deeper connection to all of those things i didn't want to be seen as so surface level i didn't want to be i've always had a hard time because i have always been one of those people who never quite fit in to any of the places or spaces. It didn't matter what I was doing. I was never enough of that thing to be counted amongst that. I was always such a conglomerate of other things that the the only niche that I could firmly plant myself into was the niche of the people who were also that conglomerate of things, <laughs> which was always a very difficult thing to find because it's not something that people often share about themselves because they won't share all of themselves to others. So unless I got to know you really well and I felt comfortable sharing all of me and you felt comfortable sharing all of you. And we both realized, Oh, we're both like that. Yay. I didn't have those kinds of experiences. You know, I, it's like, I'm, I'm one of those weird girls that likes history and ghosts. And I talk to dead people and I know people's emotions and feelings before they have an opportunity to talk to me about it. And I see your medical stuff internally and I'm reading that part of you and I'm reading the ancestral part of you. And then I'm also over here digging the new line of makeup that came out from you know, X company or seeing a cute pair of jeans and relishing the fact that they actually fit my ass or, <laughs> you know, I'm, it's, it's always been hard for me to, to dive into all of the different pieces of me and find balance. I always felt like if I'm, if I'm stepping over here then I feel bad about being like, if I'm stepping into my spirituality, hardcore, and I'm focusing on that particular work, I feel guilty if I see a cute outfit while I'm out at the mall, and I'm really jonesing to go try it on. Or if I do go try it on, and it feels good, it's like, 
oh, but does this match the personality that I'm portraying right now? Because if it doesn't, then how am I going to be perceived? And that may be conscious or it may not be conscious in that moment. But I've always had a hard time allowing those two sometimes very seemingly stark areas of my life to coalesce or, or, you know, like, Yes, I'm into the natural witchery, herbology, kind of kitchen witchy type things. And then, you know, I watch Harry Potter. So does that make me like a fake witch? Because I like (laughs) fake witches. What? Well, think about it. You know, it's like, can you be a part of both worlds? Can, is that, is that acceptable? Of course, in my, in my mind, it's like, well, of course, you're, you're who you are. It's, of course, it's acceptable. That's how you're made. That's, that's you. But the programming in me tells my brain that's incorrect. There's, you can be one or the other, but you can't be both. Or you can lean into one or the other at any given time. Or you can be that thing, but you can't show that thing. <laughs> and that's it, And again, sometimes it is conscious, but most of the time it is not. So even in the moments where I am trying my best to take the eraser to those lines, I feel like even in the moments where I'm trying to erase those lines, I'm doing more damage than good because even when I'm erasing, trying to erase the lines, I'm still feeding into the fact that I believe that there is a line there to erase to begin with. So exactly. overall, yeah. that's the message that I'm yeah, that I'm talking that about right now that. is that, you yeah. know, fuck that line. Fuck that line. That line doesn't well, the exist. Line is an illusion. It doesn't that, exist. That line is only is only in your head. Mm-hmm. Is the only place where that line exists. And you're seeing it out in the world because you put it there. You you embedded it in your brain. So of course your brain is going to recognize it and keep confirming it to you over and over again, which is why it's been so hard for you to erase it. Because every time you go to erase it, you are reconfirming the fact that it was there in the first place. This may sound really confusing. It's confusing to me right now. I'm still navigating through this, but that's what I mean by this whole duality business and what kind of energy we're actually putting into it. I am very definitely a bridge. I've been given that message over and over and over again. It is my purpose for being here. It has been my purpose for being here. It has always been my purpose for being here. Every lifetime that I have ever experienced, every flashback that I've ever had, every journey that I have ever gone on, has all been about, in one way or another, being a bridge. It is my purpose. That that purpose is is going to take on many different iterations. It's going to show up in different ways. It's going to change probably constantly to fit whatever is going on in that moment. So trying to find a thing or a place to 
to be, I feel like is, is always going to be an issue for me until I let go of trying to find a place to be and just be. Mm-hmm. And I feel like and how a bit- did this, how did this tap into, or how did you, how did how you get did I, this from the illness? So really the only thing that I could muster was laying in bed and turning YouTube on because that's the only thing that's like pretty consistent. And because my body is changing so rapidly right now, one of the things that I've been trying to figure out is how do I buy clothes? Where do I buy clothes? What size do I put on? Like, what style do I wear? Because as I have been moving through my closet and going through the, you know, multitudes of sizes that I have hoarded over the years, I am, I am starting to run out of this, of the lower sizes that I have been stock holding. Like a lot of the stuff that's left I've had since I was in high school and I am starting to come out of even those spaces. I have very little left. So I am trying to figure out, you know, I've, I've shopped at only, I mean, less than a handful of stores since I was probably 16, 17 years old, because that's all that would like, I sized up and out of most of what was available at the time. And that was before online ordering and online shopping. You had to physically go out to a mall or you had to get a catalog. But if you got a catalog, you had to know that brand or you wouldn't know what to get. So I'm going through this whole process of trying to figure out you know, it's, it's no longer just about what will fit because now more things are available to me. So now it's re-questioning, what is my style? How do I want my body to look? What things are going to be flattering on me? What things are going to make me actually feel good? What things are going to make me feel supported? What things are going to accommodate the loose skin? that I am now a collector of because I have no choice, but just to collect it on my body. Um, It's, it's an interesting spot to be in. And so I started watching um, like try on videos from other people that are in the size category that I am now trying to figure out how things look on a body that size, because it's hard for me to even envision myself like that. Like I can put on something, but I don't necessarily see what everybody else sees. I see, I still see a very distorted version of myself in the mirror. This is something that you just, you work through as you go through a process like this. And as I am trying to figure out literally what clothes can I put on my body right now? Um, and I can't just go out to the mall and try on a bunch of things. I'm trying to do that here and there where I have the energy to, but most days I really don't have the energy to, or the ability to, especially with like 
the compounding of the dizziness and things like that. It's, it's not a good idea. Um, so watching videos like this and a lot of the people that do those kinds of videos are very, you know, they're, they're fashion channel or beauty channel people who do clothes hauls. And for a long time in my mind, I have viewed those type of people and, and not trying to judge, but for my own, I guess, for, to make an excuse for myself of why I haven't put that much effort into myself, I have thought, oh, that's, that's shallow or that's, um, you know, I, it's okay that it's okay that I don't participate in that because I have more meaningful things to do with my life. I'm working on deeper things. Um, that seems shallow to me. I don't care about clothes. I just want to be comfortable. Um, which if I'm super honest was totally a lie. I do care about clothes. I do care about how I look. It was hard to because there's, you know, you get to a certain size and there aren't really a whole lot of options. And depending on who you are, you might feel great in your skin at a size 24 or you might loathe yourself at a size 24. Um, I had gotten up to that point. That's That was pretty much my where my at my very heaviest where I topped out and it always made me feel bad because I would see other people who I knew were larger than I was looking fantastic in their clothes, looking great, looking like they were having fun. And I'm like, why is it that they're bigger than me? And they look like they're having so much fun. And I'm over here feeling miserable. Why can't my arms look like their arms? Yes, they're bigger, but they can still wear tank tops in the summertime and not have to swelter. They don't have to wear a little overpiece and cover up so much of themselves. Or why is it that nobody is over there poking fun at them or, or like saying mean things under their breath? to them. They look like they're surrounding themselves in a group of people where they're having lots of fun and nobody gives a shit. Why is it that I get all the haters? Was which that that was the story that was going on inside my head. Even though sure. nobody was coming up to me on a daily basis and saying, "Hey whale, you know, you look horrible. Why don't you cover up those sausage arms? You know, put your bat flaps away." Nobody was saying those things to me. I wasn't putting myself, you. <laughs> yeah, I you know, I wasn't putting myself out there online. There was there were no hate comments on you know, it was what I perceived was going to happen if I put myself out there was a constant story inside my head or if a group of people passed me and I was out in public and I heard whispers or something behind me or laughter behind me. I immediately thought they were, you know, pointing to me, having a conversation about me. It's like, those people probably didn't give a shit. They probably didn't even notice that I was there. But that's the story of self-loathing that was in my head. That was all me. I didn't like me. I didn't feel comfortable in my own body, no matter how hard I tried, no matter how many different... Um, 
self-care regimens I try to put myself through or, you know, taking out time to do X, Y, and Z for me. And then especially having health issues on top of that, that were compounding all of those things that were feeding into the size that I was, that was, you know, that was, I felt like holding me in a particular place. I couldn't escape, even if I wanted to. It didn't matter what healthy thing I was doing for myself. If I was trying to work out and, and, you know, lose weight on my own. And then I would go through periods where I would lose huge amounts of weight on my own do a really great job, still feel shitty about myself, have health. I was going to ask, I was going to ask how you felt when you did lose, because you did have, you know, before this, you had one um, last sort of run of really losing a lot of weight, looking great. And I was going to ask you how you felt during that time. I recognized it probably more this last time than I ever had. And in the other time that I've done it in my life, Um, I did feel good at certain points and then I had another health issue creep up and I experienced a major loss in my life and had a huge amount of grief. And this all came to a head right as the pandemic was starting. So all of it kind of came to a head and mentally I just couldn't I couldn't continue to show up for myself. I was having a really hard time. I was struggling and I didn't know what to do. And I didn't even realize that I was struggling. That's the hard part. I didn't even realize that I was struggling at that moment. Um, and, you know, I feel like the times, if I think back to like, when did you really feel good? What made you feel good? A lot of it was from, you know, oh, this, this, the thing that I put together that I was wearing, you know, I felt good in, in these clothes, they made me feel a certain way, or I spent a little extra time and I did my hair and I did my makeup and I put an outfit on and I felt really great at that moment. And it's like, do you need all of those things to feel great? Not necessarily, but it really helped me see myself differently and have a, a a better outlook on myself. And as I'm sitting here, this most recent, this whole, you know, recent illness and looking at these channels, I felt bad for the judgments that I hadn't consciously placed on other people who put, value or time and effort into those things. I know that it's my problem. I know that it was something that I told myself to keep myself um, in the dark about the fact that I, I just, I wasn't supporting myself and feeling good about myself, about my physical body. I wasn't taking the time to do my hair. I wasn't taking the time to put makeup on. I wasn't taking the time to to choose an outfit that didn't just simply fit, but actually made me feel good, that I looked good in, that made me have a fun outlook about myself, that made me feel, you know, a little snappy and zippy and it gave me energy. 
I, I didn't put any energy into that. So watching the people I've been watching now and seeing them, you know, do these things, I have a deep admiration for the people who are doing those things because a, it is really hard to put yourself out there physically. I don't care what size you are. It's hard. That's, that's opening yourself up to a whole lot of judgment from a whole lot of different, um, areas. And so I commend you, all of you that do that. Um, thank you actually, because I needed to see that and recognize that in myself and recognize that that was something that I have an issue with that I need to work through. Um, and then, you know, as I caught on to a couple of people who were like exploring things where I'm like, Oh, that's a style that I think I actually like. That's something that I think I could actually get behind. I found I've, I have found a small handful of people that I'm really liking and who have been doing a really great job at sharing their journey and sharing where they're at and being completely honest about the fact that, Hey, sometimes I go up a size. Sometimes I go down a size over the last couple of years I've, I've gained and I've gone up and being a person who does fashion and beauty things, I'm having to, Uh, you know, wrap my head around that and deal with that and be kind to myself and recognize others who are going through that. And I'm really grateful for, for those people who are doing that and being honest about that, because I need to hear it right now. And I need to, I'm trying to be more okay with allowing, just allowing myself to be into, put effort towards, seek out anything and everything that interests me in that moment and stop trying to pigeonhole myself into just one area or focus on just one thing. Because ultimately that's what the, um, that's what the medical world is doing to me right now. And I hate it. And it's being reflected to me in a really big way. I hate being treated as a symptom. It's like, I am a whole person. Treat my whole body. There's a bunch of different shit going on. Don't prescribe physical therapy for my degenerative discs in my neck and my back when I have a hard time standing for more than five minutes because I'm dizzy all the fucking time. That doesn't make any sense. But you're not seeing that. And I'm doing the same thing to myself by not allowing the wholeness of myself to experience life all at the same time. Totally. Totally. That's really cool because it speaks to so many of the things that we've talked about before. Mm -hmm. For instance, while you are watching these YouTube videos, you're essentially watching people play. Mm -hmm. They're using their... um, perception of themselves and their perception of the world and they're displaying it. And that's, you know, that's what we used to do for a living. (laughs) We used to display for a living, Mm -hmm. but it was easier to display 
externally mm-hmm. to create things for others to display than to display ourselves because everything was geared towards not having to look at it, not having to deal with it, not having to see it. And now you are reclaiming all of this freedom to play with things that you naturally gravitated to all your life. But this is where we're very much the same. You would always choose friends that were your models for what you wish you could do for yourself. And now you are (laughs) learning, you are learning and you are reclaiming and you are figuring out how to get back to using all of your magic for you. And that's, and I've been doing that too. I'm on the same journey in an entirely different way. And so I'm really happy to hear that's where you're at because, you know, it helps us as a team doing a podcast, doing social media, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully in the future doing meet and greets, things like that. It helps us to then project that energy. And that's the right energy. We should all, right now, what we all need to be focused on is ourselves. And that goes against some very deep programming for a lot of us because selfishness is not something that we were ever taught to embrace. We were taught a lot of bad propaganda when it came to selfishness. Well, and what and does that mean us- anyway? It's like what, right. to put, to put a, it's bad to put a focus on yourself? Like, how is that a thing? It doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense. It it makes, well, here's the thing. It makes sense because the way they always framed it, they never, they, they passively aggressively framed it. So it was never in your conscious. It was a code that was sent to your subconscious mind. And the framing was that it is bad to be selfish and it was attached to a sense of entitlement. Well, and there's a difference. There's a big difference between focusing on yourself and showing yourself love and ease and grace and a narcissist who Mm -hmm. is, who, who the, from the outside, the, the outside talk about that is that they're focused, they're very much focused on themselves, but that's not it. It's, it's actually a focus, a very specific focus on taking any attention away from anybody else, disallowing anybody to put attention on anything but them, but in a very specific manipulative way. That's not just being selfish. That's, and it's not actually about the self. It's, it is about the self, but it's about taking power away from people who they know will easily give it. It is taking advantage from somebody who is in a place where they cannot see themselves and they cannot see the value of themselves. And so they're draining all of that energy and scooping it up and putting it into their own pile in a kind of malicious way because somewhere deep in their psyche, they get off on it. Well, kind of. It's more that you you really tapped into the heart of it when you said taking it from someone who really can't give it to themselves, who's draining that energy. They are that. Mm-hmm. 
A narcissist is someone who cannot give that to themselves. So in order to get their needs met, because they cannot meet their own needs, they have to drain, drain it, it from other people sure. who can also, who also were learned, uh, were taught to um, give that away. That was what gave them validation. They were taught to be codependent. They were taught to enable. They were taught to be the grease in the gears that held everything together. And when a narcissist who is taught that I'm only going to get my needs met if I get it through some external source and a greasy gear person hook up, it is the perfect storm for a incredibly toxic give and take. And that's really what selfishness was linked to, was an incredibly selfish give and take. But the truth of the matter is, is that the selfishness that we are being asked to embrace now is a selfishness born of self-love. It's a selfishness born of you have turned your focus externally for so long that you need to take this time now to turn inward and multiply it within yourself. It needs to permeate every aspect of your being. Every compartment you held needs to be permeated by this love so that you can experience how safe you are within yourself, by yourself. So that when you figure out how safe you are, you can then go out into the world safely and not give everything away. You don't have to give anything away. What you will then do is you will teach people how to do that for themselves. And that's why it's so important to be selfish right now. And if we can quote the great RuPaul, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love How the hell are you going to love anybody else? <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's, can, I, it, can I get an amen? Yes, absolutely. Can I get an amen? Yes. Because <laughs> it's, it's absolutely true and and it's so there's so many layers to this journey and this exploration and i feel like every time i get close to a wow i've really come so far and i've learned so much and i'm so different from the person that i used to be <laughs> like this other this other screen pops up and goes but are you really so different because there's this and let's look at that too and it's like oh dang that's still under there, isn't it? Well, damn, thank you for showing me that too. It's like, you <laughs> you continue, but I think sometimes I get a little sidelined because I think, and I have done, I fully acknowledge to myself that I have done a shitload of work. I have done a shit ton of work and I am excited about it and I am proud of myself for it. And I acknowledge those accomplishments about myself. Like that's, that was really hard to do. And I've come a long way, but I also fully acknowledge that there is a long ways to go and that there will always be a long ways to go truly, because that's kind of part of the mission here, at least for me. And I think really for all of us is to, con- to continue that learning process. And when you think you've reached that, that peak, look around and go, is there another peak to climb? Because there will always, there's always be going to be to another peak to climb. Exactly. So, you know, as, as difficult as the last handful of years have been as far as like really kind of tearing us apart to build ourselves back up 
it's hard. People are going through the stuff right now. People are being, either people are having a fantastic time finding themselves or they are having the most challenging time of their life trying to dig their way out of the hole that they have discovered that they are in. Um, or it's a crazy combination of both. And, you know, it is, it's really hard. We're discovering so much, but there's still so much left to discover and uncover. And I think that's another big thing that's been coming up right now is that this idea of duality that we hold and the separation that it forms is not just crumbling within ourselves, but it is crumbling around us in our society and culture in ways that are both beautiful and incredibly harsh right now. And it's going to continue because it has to, but everybody is going to start, if you haven't already, everybody is going to start experiencing these types of crumblings for themselves in different ways. Mine always seems to tie back to, um, to ancestry because that's one of the pieces of work that I really love. I love the history. I love the anthropology of it. I love the spirituality of it. Um, I'm very drawn to it and I, I will very easily go down the rabbit hole and things just, they just, they come to me. Like I, I get so many, um, I get so many revelations when I dive into that for myself because I have a very interesting family dynamic. And the more and more I dive into it, the more and more I realize how dynamic it truly is and how crazy it truly is. Um, most recently, I was led back to kind of delve into the, and I love the 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 program that, one of the programs that I watched that really helped me frame this in a different way for myself, use the term Wars of the Roses instead of the War of the Roses, because they really did explore the fact that this is something that has been going on far, far before the time that history carved out and said in parentheses, War of the Roses. It started far beyond that, and it moved far past the time, even into present day the how we see the english monarchy and other forms of that type of governing factors across europe um how we see those things today all stem back from those earlier days and the wedge that was carved out by the people who were involved and for me the craziness is that on both my maternal and paternal line, I am related to all of those people. And when I say all of those people, I mean all of those people. The white rose, the red rose, all of them, all of them and all of their little external veins. I can find a connection back to all of them. 
because of how they spread themselves out at that point in history. There was a time when there was so much destruction, so much war, and people were trying to cling on to something so badly, any little bit of power or, or, you know, and that came in the form of land or some sort of holding or some sort of holding over other people's. That was so important to them and their survival that they were intermarrying so much that the, the, the people who were having these wars, these, these fights, um, and then the, the, the fighting that continued down through that where people went back and forth over, you know, who has legitimate claim to X throne? And we're talking all throughout Europe and in a lot of countries extending from them that were then, you know, under the empire's control at one point or another. All of these families who claim, you know, I should, I should be there. I should get to sit on that throne. Nobody has more claim over another person because they are so interconnected with each other and really had no idea. Within a generation or two, it would get completely lost because even though they were keeping, they were pretty good at like writing stuff down. It's like, how did the information spread though? Unless you were going through, you know, a, a particular church or form of church the or diocese that was keeping track and then disseminating that information to the rest of the world to kind of you know in their own way to get people behind you at one point or another to to say yes this person belongs in in that seat of power there was really no way for for people to truly know how they were connected to people because that information would just get lost to to time and space and propaganda and so when i'm looking at it from my point of view now and seeing i'm a product of all of that all the way down to where that faction of people came here to the americas settled and then went from being gentry and royalty to them being you know farmers rednecks and plantation and plantation owners and farmers and sharecroppers and you know in their own rights the lowest rung of the you know coal miners um they're all related they're all freaking related and because they figured out how to survive i'm here but i'm sitting here going wow you had no clue you poor people just ripped each other apart for no effing reason you were so afraid of somebody taking something away from you and, you know, for a good cause, because for a long time, people just would, you know, come through a space and, hey, I want your stuff. I'm going to take it. Please don't take my stuff. I'll make me, you know, and fights would break out and 
villages would get burned down and things would get displaced and people would have to move on and you know forever and ever and ever that's how things worked um but it's crazy for me being in a space where i can actually see it and follow it all the way back and see how it worked and see how it developed and see all of the horrible distortion that it caused and that it's still continuing to like breed and a lot of the messages that I have gotten is, you know, there's a lot of history that we understand and know and accept right now that's going to be completely turned upside down because some things that have been missing for a really long time are going to materialize soon, um, mostly because people have put energy into the fact that certain things need to be uncovered. So that information is going to be made available. And when it does, it's going to rock some foundations big time. It's going to rock people's worlds. They have no idea. And I'd like to do, I'd like to do a whole show on that. That's its own show. Truly. That that's for next time because that's that topic gets me pumped. Yeah. Because I, I, and, and just to tease it out a little bit, you have to understand that history doesn't exist. The only thing that exists is right now. And a lot of people say that, but I don't think that they really understand the gravity of that statement. Because when you start to think about the only thing that really exists is right now, that means that anything is possible, not just for the future, but for the past. Mm-hmm. And we are going to have a year, starting now, the next few years is going to just be one reveal after another about how true that is because too many people have caught on and are now doing their own searches for Mm -hmm. the truth, quote unquote. And the more bricks you put in one side of that scale, whichever side of that scale makes more sense to you or is preferred to you, for you, that's how we manifest a new history. Yeah. And we're not leaving it strictly to academia anymore. It's like, oh, hell no. Information is available to everybody, you know, even even in the academic circles, you know, most most anybody can log on to a university website and look up whatever information they want to. And then when you are, you know, the we have we've stepped far enough away. We have a, a wide enough perspective at this point to where we can take multiple different lines of, of information and start lining them up and kind of putting them up next to each other and going, well, from, you know, from a historical perspective, I can now see all the way around the circle. I'm not just seeing a wedge of the pie anymore. I don't have to just take this one person's word on how that went down. Now I can see the full picture, which is what I was able to do by watching the programs I did on, that I was just talking about, you know, instead of just seeing, you know, a lot of the version that we've had has been the Tudor version because that was a very popular dynasty that lasted for quite a while. And instead of just seeing that side of the family's perspective, now I can see the full way around the circle and all the little veins of that, that have reached out into other areas, other countries, other dynasties. 
and go, wow, that had a much further reach than I, even I ever realized. And that those are like points that I have studied in school, like history and anthropology. Those are my two big things. And I have already studied so much, but seeing from the perspective that I'm seeing now from the information that is just popping up now um, is leading me even further than that education had. And it is really interesting. It's very interesting to me. And um, yeah, the, the feeling is, is just, you know, and I've been getting this feeling and these messages for years and it's always felt like a tease because it's like, oh, you just wait, more is coming, more is coming. And it's like, but what is coming? And when is it coming? What are you talking about? And I'm, it's, it's a feeling like I'm feeling it more and more. It's like, oh, stuff is coming together. That's never come together before. Things are coming, bubbling up to the surface that, you know, you stuff isn't going to bubble up to the surface until people are willing to dig down through the surface and till the soil of whatever it is and allow that energy to breathe again and come up. It's like, if you just leave it undisturbed, then it stays status quo. It goes dormant. It goes dormant. But we're uh, we're not in that kind of space right now. <laughs> we're 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 in a let's in let's dig it up. Let's see it. Let's let's turn it over. Let's look at it from well, every angle. We're in the dawning of an age of enlightenment, and that's yeah. the whole point of enlightenment is to shed light on things so that that which was dormant will now come alive, and that is why we will inevitably be seeing these big reveals starting now. Yeah. So I look forward to that. Yeah, it feels good. I'm mm-hmm. like, it's, it's scary because the unknown is always scary. Um, there's going to be a lot of disruption. So that's always kind of like, oh, brace yourself. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be a bumpy ride. But then when hasn't it been a bumpy ride? I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's always something happening. So if, if I, I kind of like to use that as a way to kind of calm myself down a little bit. Um, because people have a tendency to go way off into like one corner and go, Oh, apocalyptic kind of, you know, the world is ending. It's like, look, that shit's been happening since, you know, since time began. So, you know, the destruction of things has always been a part of our world. So if you're wanting to go, Oh, apocalyptic times. And it's like, okay, then that's, that's always been like, it's, it's time we stop saying, oh, that's something that's coming or in the future and realize you have been in that cycle. All of our ancestors have been in that cycle. They've all experienced that. Um, We'll never not experience that because that is a part of the evolution of, of information of us, of, the planet that's the mechanism that is that's how all this works that's like there's those no, are there's the gears no, there's never going to be, <laughs> yeah there's never going to be a time where change does not involve some sort of destruction yeah it's all something's like, always going to be blowing change up. is chaos yeah <laughs> so it's just a question of you know what scale yeah. and why and when 
And those things we cannot answer until we have seen it happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you might as well just be along for the ride as much as you can and start harvesting those tools that help you stay centered. And when I say stay centered, I mean your center, not anyone else's, yours. What helps you in that moment be back within the realm of your own control, your own handling, your own curating, your own harvesting. That's the that's what you need to pay attention to. And that brings us back to the right kind of selfishness, the kind of selfishness that we're talking about. How can you love yourself through? How can you nurture yourself? How can you curate what you're intaking? Not just your diet of food, but your diet of information, all of it, your diet of relationships. You, that's where your realm of control lies, and that's where we all need to focus right now. How many times a day do you actually ask yourself what you need and listen to what your body and your spirit, your energy has to tell yourself about that? You know, if, if your body says, I need a break, I need to stop what I'm doing, or I need more of this and that, or I mean, you know, I need more nature. I need more hydration. I need more movement. I need more joy. I need more happiness. I need more silly time. I need more, you know, what do you need more of? What, what do you need? What is a requirement for you today? And are you more importantly, what do you want? Yeah. And are you able to give yourself that? Um, and what would it take for you to be able to give yourself that? And how can you start giving yourself that if it's not something that you've been able to do? You know, it's nobody's asking you to do it all at one time. You kind of have to find your own rhythm and balance. And sometimes it takes being waylaid by, you know, a health crisis. Or sometimes it means... Um, you know, losing some stability somewhere or what you have perceived as stability so that you can actually build a stable foundation within yourself, within the temple of you. Um, yeah. That's what this time That's has been about. We did the thing. That's the thing done. <laughs> it's a thing done. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the thing. Nice. Yeah. We finally did the we thing. We finally did a, a thing. Month. A month later, we did the thing. Two shows, but missing, it is but, what it is. You know, it, it was for <laughs> it was for important reasons. We we had to come up to uh, we had to discover this. Mm -hmm. It was an important message to give. It's a good way to start out your year. Yeah. So as we always say, thank you for joining us. And if you'd like to connect more with us, we are on all the social media platforms. Our links are easy to find. We have a Patreon. We have Instagram. We have Facebook. You can contact us on any of our platforms, including TikTok, and we will be happy to get back with you. And uh, if you have suggestions for topics that you'd like to hear us talk about, please, by all means, reach out. You can even email us. And uh, in the meantime, know that when this show drops, it will be a Thursday. And the Saturday after that, every Saturday after that, uh, after a show drops, we have a meetup on Discord where you can talk to us either about the show or about whatever's going on in your life. And the guides will be riding tandem, I am sure. And they're always happy to give messages. So if you would like to experience any of that, please join us and join us next time as we talk about more wacky, crazy, cool, spiritual shit. Yeah. See you next time.